0: Hi, I'm Ben Silberio.
1: I'm Erin Klein. And
0: I'm Ansel Birch, your host in post. And it's time, time to, to party. party. We are not doctors and we don't give medical advice. Please drink responsibly.
1: Alright, so what are we doing, Ben? We're talking in our second part episode about The Terminator. So in this episode, we'll be talking about how we felt about the movie, things that we liked about it, didn't like about it. You know, general review stuff. As a ex- yeah. some of these the movies that we'll be talking about are things that we have seen before, and uh, spoiler, a lot of them are things I've never seen before, and so there's it's a it's interesting seeing what all we've just like skipped over in our like cultural knowledge in time travel. I've been finding that really interesting as we've been doing these.
0: Definitely, and I I like going through these and like seeing if they hold up. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Seeing them with the lens of someone living in 2020, looking back, we had a lot of fun revisiting James Cameron's The Terminator. But I, I gotta say, I forgot so many things about this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, when, when people talk about The Terminator, 90% of the time I feel like they're talking about t- the second one. Because uh, some of the most iconic moments of the franchise come from the second one. You know, even though they were present in the first one, the image in your head is always, like, Arnold doing the good guy stuff. Instead of, I mean, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, uh, instead of doing all the bad guy stuff in this one.
1: <laughs> you know, it's funny because I've only ever seen the first Terminator, so I've never seen the second one. I, like, that, like, cultural stuff I know and I'm, like, familiar with like you're saying, like kind of the more well-known stuff from the second one. And I know a little about the third one because John Patrick was on the X-Files, but I like, (laughs) I, and I saw the one with Christian Bale the first one, I think there's two of them, I saw that one in theaters and had no idea what was happening. <laughs> it was very confusing yeah. to drop into a series where you're like, I don't know what the fuck is going on here. So, yeah, that is that is not an experience that I have. I, I've only seen this one, and I think I've only ever seen it one other time before. And so I had also forgotten a lot about it.
0: Yeah, like, because uh, as a kid, I remember really liking the second one because of John Connor was played by Edward Furlong, and I know we're not talking about that one, but like the they had some really kick ass toys for that movie oh. like like John Connor on this motorbike and like the Terminator doing all this crazy shit and you know as a big toy guy you know as a kid playing with them and now collecting them occasionally playing with them um you know the remembering the toys was something that really drew me to this uh to this franchise uh even the later movies, you know, like uh, even the one of the more recent ones with Amelia uh, Clark, um, there was some cool tie-in merchandise for this for these movies. God, Terminators become this like huge thing, you know, since nineteen eighty four, since James oh, Cameron yeah. first presented it to us.
1: It's a huge part of our like cultural context that. Yeah, like, even before they started making the newer movies with, uh, Christian Bale and Amelia Clark in, like, the last decade, like, it was still a huge deal. Like, just even those first three movies, like, it's wedged into our cultural conversation. And honestly, I think part of that is because Arnold went on to be very successful as both a person who stars in movies but also he became a fucking governor in the united states and so he was around for a really long time and so it's not like people forgot about him in the same way that i feel like like rambo was a huge part of the cultural conversation in the 80s and 90s but now today doesn't hold up even though another movie has come out and i think part of that Mm -hmm. is because like arnold is just ingrained in our culture as americans in a way that's like undeniable now and certainly over the last several decades since this movie came out he has really established himself that way
0: so you haven't seen the second movie but uh did you ever do the it's not really a ride but like the the show at universal studios yes i did
1: i don't really remember it i was pretty young uh when it was still running and i was there um i just remember the terminator like (laughs) that's it i just remember like the leather jacket and like that's it, basically. <laughs> I remember there was an explosion.
0: But I remember it. the the moment when the uh, when the other Terminators would like come out of the the stage and just like appear mm-hmm. in the auditorium. Like I remember freaking out as a kid, being like, "Oh my god, this is so cool!" John Connor and Sarah Connor running in with the Terminator. Oh god! Yeah, I. Universal think- Studios used to be so cool. I
1: think that that. John Connor being part of that like exhibit show at Orlando, I thought rewatching this, even though I've seen it before, I thought Reese was John Connor because mm. they don't say who he is at first, and so I was like, oh, this is who this is because I know that John Connor like actually shows up and is part of this series. I wonder if that's where I got that from, since I haven't actually seen mm. the second movie. If it was literally that <laughs> ride experience that like cemented John Connor and Sarah Connor as being together, even though like that. That doesn't happen literally at all in the first Terminator movie. Like, yeah, he, sh- John Connor, is in it in that he is an embryonic cell <laughs> for like the last <laughs> ten minutes of the movie, basically, and then is like, uh. A- four month old fetus inside of her belly but like doesn't actually appear but yeah it's i know like nothing about john connor i actually took a note at one point is john connor hot question mark because both of his parents are super hot and i was like i'm curious what he looks like i did not realize he was in the second movie i will look it up myself later
0: (laughs) yeah uh edward furlong from uh detroit rock city and he's been in a bunch of stuff i've forget what else but
1: (laughs) i don't know that i would actually describe reese as like hot in the movie he's terrifying in many ways so but little hamilton is hot enough for everybody
0: oh my god she'll
1: fix anyone's jeans you got her jeans that's it you're good for life
0: uh i completely forgot about the sex scene uh yeah it's a really well done sex
1: scene it I, I was like, and it like holds up really well, especially for a, a 1984 movie by James fucking Cameron. That, like, right. th- I was pretty surprised that this held up as well as it did. It didn't feel, um, I wrote down that it was hilarious that they stopped to have this very sensual sex scene while they're running from the Terminator, but I like that they, that he gave it <laughs> enough time that it didn't feel like weird necessarily. It felt like appropriate that this was happening.
0: Uh, at the end, during her like monologue to John, when she says like oh we we only knew each other for a few hours in my head i I heard uh frozen, you know uh you can't marry someone that you just met
1: oh <laughs>
0: <laughs> but turns out you know, in
1: fairy tales you can do whatever you want, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> also, if you're Sarah Connor, you can do whatever you want
0: speaking of naked,
1: mm-hmm. how
0: do you feel about?" clothes not being able to travel back in time with you
1: i think it's kind of weird the mechanics of the time travel like i like that they explain it that it's supposed to be living material that goes through but also like they just kind of like hand wave away why like terminators can go through it it isn't actually really explained why the metal inside of them is compatible like it's wrapped in the skin and organs i guess and that's what makes it go through but like couldn't other stuff do that like yeah they they don't really explain why being inside of the body means that it can survive in that way but i guess like whatever if it means that your clothes come off then like that's fine that makes at least some kind of continuity sense to me that stuff inside of you can survive even if they don't really explain why that happens like (laughs) it's i kind of like it i also feel like it's a really interesting way to make like the idea is oh you come back from the future and you bring a weapon with you that is unknown to the present day and so it's a very clever way to immediately get rid of that like no i couldn't bring anything back with me from the future because all of the dead material dies when you try to bring it through i can only bring my organic body through and so i like that i like that that it it immediately establishes this science quote-unquote science about how this time travel works that explains why they don't do do more to kill Sarah from the Terminator's point of view and why John doesn't do more or not John that's not who that is why Reese doesn't do more in order to protect Sarah by like bringing back additional weapons or like Uh, riot gear. I was trying to think of like the armor that they wear, but it really just looks like police riot gear. So I don't even know how effective it would be, but like that he can't even bring any of that back. Like all I can bring is my own body and my knowledge and that's, what's going to protect this person. So I liked that. I thought it was an interesting choice. It's, it's not the way that I would choose to do time travel all the time. But I think in this universe, they really needed to establish a reason why they didn't bring more technology back from the future. Especially something like Arnold. Why would he not bring back everything in his power to kill this woman? So I, right. I like it. I like As a storytelling device, I think it's very clever.
0: Definitely. Yeah, it does create this uh, interesting dynamic that the storyteller you know has to work with you know it it does firmly establish a rule in this universe uh and i mean some of the later movies get a little convoluted in terms of storytelling but i think for the most part this one rule really holds up throughout uh the terminator franchise so it 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 does challenge the storyteller a little bit uh by by being stronger or creating uh Creating elements of the story that that still fit within those parameters.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. <laughs> it's surprising how well it holds up. the The writing and the yeah. storytelling. There was I was right. I was really surprised when I got to the end of it. Like, oh, this is usually when you pull an a, an action movie out from nineteen eighty four, you kind of expect more, um, like off handed like racism and sexism yeah. and like. It never felt like that. It, And I think part of it is that it's centered around a woman and that the story is mm-hmm. supposed to be very woman forward. And I like that. And so I think that's kind of why it drifts away from that. But it's yeah, I I was I was really surprised how well the writing and the storytelling held up in general that I was yeah. really pleased with that.
0: Yeah, even though Sarah may not believe that she's a badass right away, you have Kyle who comes back from the future and encourages her that she actually is this badass person, mm-hmm. so it, it's it's really uplifting the the female lead in ways that you didn 't really see in other action movies at the time mm-hmm. um in terms of you know the, the 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 racist things that tend to be prevalent in these types of movies from the time period you know as you as you said there wasn't really any of that present. Uh, the one thing I will note though, it was interesting that this movie took place in LA, but there was like a big lack of like Hispanic and Asian people. Uh, but that happens oh, with true. a lot of those movies from back then, you know? Like, uh,. I completely I mean, forgot I it
1: was LA. I just, yeah. for some reason, I was like, oh, they're in New York. I I don't know if it was just like the sergeant that I was like, this dude feels New York as hell to me. And so I just decided mm-hmm. it was New York. But that's true. I did forget that it was Los Angeles. It is like noticeable that there's like no Hispanic people in it whatsoever. Yeah.
0: Right. Uh, it's not until the end when uh, Sarah goes to that gas station that she really encounters any Hispanic yeah. or Spanish speaking people. Yeah, that's but, weird. Like, I don't recall any Asian people even being anywhere in this movie like you'd think there would either. be some because it's la but <laughs>
1: true but it's la and it's like <laughs> white it's cops chasing after a white lady and like asians and hispanics are like nah i'm not getting involved in that shit
0: <laughs> some
1: big-ass white dude with a machine gun's going after this white lady deuces <laughs> see you later no, right. <laughs> see you never my friends <laughs> like you know what i don't blame you <laughs> So in that sense, I guess I'm willing to accept it, but you're right, I didn't even notice that there's, like, there are no Asian people in this movie. Yeah. It's, it, uh,
0: it's, it stood out to me particularly in the club scene where the, where Kyle first meets mm-hmm. Sarah, because, like, shit, Asians would be dancing like crazy at that place, you know, mm-hmm. especially in California, uh, but, you know, you just that see a bunch fun. of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Also, was that the middle of the day? Are people just at a nightclub dancing in the middle of the day?
1: Yeah, I guess you're right. It must have been. (laughs) I guess it could be like... Seven o'clock at evening, like the, the sun hasn't set yet, but people are done for the day. Like we don't actually know what time it is. She, That's true. Sarah and her roommate are getting ready to go out also. Oh, and yeah. So That's fair. it's gotta be late enough in the day right. <laughs> or it's Saturday and everyone's like, hooray! It's the weekend! <laughs> Cause she walks off the sidewalk and I'm pretty sure it's daylight outside yeah, when she ducks right. into that bar. Cause she's at work. She gets dressed and she goes to work and then they, um, her coworker tells her that the Sarah Connors are being murdered. She goes home to get ready. And then her roommate stays and meets her boyfriend and she goes out. And it's, I believe still daytime because she like takes off on her scooter. I believe it's got the whole movie has like a weird out of time and day feel where like, any of it could be happening at any point in the day and it kind of makes almost as much sense. Like, that the climax happens at night works because then you get to see this explosion. But it very well could have happened in the middle of the day and it would have felt just as appropriate because the whole idea with the Terminator is that it's relentless and it never stops and it doesn't matter what time of day or night it is, it's still coming for her.
0: Yeah, speaking of the Terminator being relentless, like, this almost made it seem like more of a A horror movie or like a suspense thriller than an action sci-fi you know because like like someone like michael myers you know constantly chasing down the heroine you know you have the terminator constantly chasing down sarah connor and kyle reese uh you know so it's not even like the time travel was at the forefront of this movie it was this relentless killing machine coming Mm -hmm. after you and hiding from it
1: Yes, and I feel like that's part of what's had, what's allowed this movie and this franchise to maintain the kind of cultural currency that that it has is that it is very scary. Like when Mm -hmm. he's chasing her through the factory at the end, and his body has literally melted away. Like that's very frightening, and I feel like especially in the '80s when we're as a culture starting to understand and accept that like serial killers are real people whose motives we can't understand will just show up and terrorize a community. Like there were people were so aware of that in the early eighties and are so aware of the idea that a person could show up in your community and cause violence against you and you can't do anything about it. It's, obviously still very relevant today too but like i feel like that's part of why this movie clicks in the way that it does is that yeah it's got all this cool like time travel sci-fi stuff from the future human drama elements but it is an action thriller it is really about a man for all intents and purposes that we can tell chasing a woman so he can kill her and that's what the whole movie is about and her trying to escape from that it's yeah it's it's very interesting it's when you look at it in that lens it's not just like a sci-fi movie it it does feel right. very much like a horror movie
0: yeah and that uh, that image of like the the top half of the skeleton of the terminator just like crawling after mm-hmm. sarah connor is like you know like zombie level scary you know mm-hmm. but <laughs> one of my favorite lines in the movie y- you're terminated fucker mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i just i just love that image of Sarah looking right at it and being like, "Hey, fuck you."
1: <laughs> it's it feels so 80s and yet it's it doesn't feel like it it doesn't feel diminished by the fact that it feels very 80s. Like I like it. I like that she has yeah. this this moment and Gets to like spit in the eye of the bad guy, basically. Like it feel it. She earns it. It doesn't feel like we're being being given this moment where like, oh, the the protagonist is spitting in the antagonist's eye. Here's the end of it. It feels like she has earned this moment to say this like mm-hmm. really ridiculous thing. <laughs> also, <laughs> speaking of the like crawling through the factory part, I made a note too. I love the costuming decision to put her in pink for like the entire movie. Basically, it's so mm-hmm. smart. It, first of all, it draws your eye to her immediately so you're looking at this like source of more light in the room most of the time and also like up until this point in the 80s and honestly even after this you don't see a lot of women crawling around in the dirt in pink who survive like it's it's a sign of someone who's been marked for death in horror movies a lot of the time yeah this like innocent person in this very light pastel-y looking pink color and she's like crawling through a fucking factory and murdering a assassin from the future in this, like, bright pink and white blouse. Like, I I love it. It's such... And again, I think it's part of what contributes to the the relevancy still of and that, like, cultural currency of the movie is that people connect with the visual because it's not what you're expecting from a, an action hero. And she absolutely, at this point in the movie, has established herself as an action hero.
0: Oh, 100%. Like, having this, you know, empowered woman you know, kick the shit out of this non-stop killing machine is a great thing that you didn't see too much of back then, Mm -hmm. you know, and has definitely added to its enduring legacy. Um, Another thing that contributed to the legacy of the Terminator was the special effects. You know, like, those scenes in the future were so sick! Mm -hmm. Like, you know, James Cameron catches a lot of flack for a lot of things, for example, how bad he is at naming things. Oh my Adam God. was the big thing, but ridiculous. in Terminator he calls them the the HKs, or the Hunter Killers. And I'm just like, you can not so think of anything ridiculous. better than HKs? <laughs> no.
1: Yeah, he was yeah, like, right? I'll come up with a better name for this. LOL, just kidding.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Oh man, I forgot to change that. But <laughs> thankfully, the <sighs> special effects look so good, mm-hmm. you know?
1: the I <laughs> really think the practical effects hold up particularly well like the the skeleton particularly at the end it's just so well done and like animatronics are fucking cool and when they're done well and they age well it just feels like a miracle they're so fucking cool but it feels very weird to see the like the switch back and forth between this like super dope practical effect and then Back to, like, the CGI, which does not, like, it doesn't read at all. It's not the same. It, like, doesn't hold up in the same way. And so it's, I feel like I would have accepted it more... When it was just like, oh my god, this is like the coolest and most up-to-date CGI possible and my brain will just like switch automatically over to this dope animatronic. But now I see it and I'm like, ah, well, look at that. Look at that, 1984 green screen. Well, what's that over there? And then it's like, oh, cool, a robot. So I feel like that's one of the parts of the movie that doesn't actually hold up super well. It's weird because on one hand, I'm like, this is so weird and dated. And on the other hand, I'm like, well, you are like a weird robot who's falling apart. And so like, you would look really fucked up and weird. And so I like accepted that in a way that i my brain could not accept the dated cgi but i agree it is noticeable right away where you're like what the fuck is happening to your face i feel like they do a really good job of making it look like him most of the time even right. when it is like a weird clearly obvious prosthetic i felt like they did a pretty good job of again most of the time <laughs> of yeah, making like, it still look like him there's a couple where you're like what, what is this what is this Madame two bullshit this doesn't look anything like oh, him
0: yeah. that uh that was definitely uh glaring in that moment where he takes the knife and takes out his eye Ugh. like <laughs> that side shot holds up that from? yeah exactly yeah, definitely.
1: that that side shot of him digging in with the exacto knife though is very effective it still works super mm-hmm. super well Ugh. Arnold's great in this also. I know that a lot of it is like really point and shoot kind of stuff, but I feel like he does a really good job with it. And I can see why people wanted to continue to work with him as an actor, even though like he's not a super great actor at this point, but he's really good at following directions that are, that are directable in post and stuff. And I think that, that that scene is a really good example of that too. Like, hey Arnold, can you just stand in front of this mirror and like kind of play around with your eye? Like, this? okay, cool, 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 cool. And then being able to take that footage and edit it in a in a really compelling way that has held up after all of these years, I think speaks both to how easy Arnold probably is to work with and how well James Cameron could look at this scene and be like, I can make something of this work.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Arnold was, uh, seems like he's very coachable. You know, especially at this point 100%. in his career. One hundred percent. Yeah, and I mean, sure, he was just just doing action movies, but for a lot of them to hold up like they did uh, for this long speaks to, you know, his performance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think the last note that I took that I wanted to talk about was the score. Like, you know, you have these iconic movie scores, you know, that just when you say the movie, you could, like, hear that score in your head, you know, Jaws mm-hmm. being one well, of the Back to the Future, you know, like there's a lot of these scores that have become iconic, but then this this score created for the Terminator that, you know like that's even been elevated beyond movie fans, you know, like mm-hmm. in wrestling they use that as a chant for Kenny Omega Multiple or people. Brian Cage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like that that Terminator thing really stuck around and that That score, I think, really helped it do that also. Because it it, it fit really well.
1: Yes, I agree partially. I wrote down at the beginning that the music seems very silly because I feel like the electric synth is one of the things that doesn't age very well in this because Mm -hmm. music just isn't made that way anymore. And so it stood out to me in the beginning as feeling very uh, dated to the time. But as the movie kept going, it just it just started to kind of wash over me in a way that it didn't bother me. It was just like, okay, this is really effective for the story that they're telling and it fits well inside of this movie. But then at the end, when they get to that final scene and they switch over to a full orchestra, perfect. It's such Uh, It's such an effective thing that I feel like most people probably don't even notice that they've done. But as soon as they bring, like, real strings in and start using them in the end, I immediately noticed that. It was like, oh, we've now reached a new elevation of what's happening in this story because this is the end. Clearly, like, who could tell that it's the end? You've been watching it for almost two hours. Like, clearly, this is what's happening. But also that you get this, like, immediate auditory clue, like, here we go. This is it. We're getting into the end of this. You're going to get a resolution. Like the music tells you that in the background in a way that's just so effective. Like I it made me appreciate the like kind of silly synth stuff for the rest of the movie that I didn't love necessarily or thought was dated and the switch over to the full orchestra was like I get it now. I understand what this vision was with this the score throughout it.
0: It almost matches uh Sarah Connor's uh character arc in the movie. Yes. You know, totally. it starts out Being this like flouncy, you know, 80s type, almost outdated, uh, you know, sound. And then it evolves into Mm -hmm. this fully formed, badass, full orchestra, you know. And that's where you find Sarah Connor at the end, ready to kick the shit out of some robots.
1: Yes, that's a great observation. I I think that's absolutely true. That's a really, really good observation.
0: Cool. So, uh, last question, Aaron, is the Terminator worth your time?
1: Yes, I think it is. Honestly, like, like I said, there's a lot that really holds up super well. And we've talked a little about this. I mean, we've talked a lot about this. But Sarah Connor's a fucking badass character. And Linda Hamilton rules. And I love that Linda Hamilton still embraces the Terminator. Like, f- world. She's, she did some of the more recent movies too. And like, I love that she understands that people connect with her and f- see her and, f- and like visualize strong, capable women. I read a note at one point that Sarah Connor must have the strongest womb of all time because she runs away. <laughs> She's in this like crazy chasing her. Bonnie is experiencing like massive trauma she runs away from a fucking explosion she's crawling around in the dirt and like being clawed at by a robot that baby's only like it's not even a baby it's cells it's cells that are attached to her uterine wall it's maybe four hours old like the fact that her uterus was like nah girl we're we're
0: keeping this and we're making it all the way
1: through like every time I get to the end and she's super pregnant I'm like ma'am I I need your secret I need to know what happens inside of you because it's clearly fucking magic so I I love that too i love that you get this like it's obviously not a huge i mean it is it's a huge part of the story that she becomes a mother and so this like really uh strong ending i mean you know that that's when she gets pregnant because reese dies so there it's like okay you're definitely pregnant then like dude's dead it's not like it's gonna happen later and so i like that you get this like really positive showing of like a powerful pregnant woman at the end too another thing you just like Never fucking see in movies at all, full stop, basically, but especially action movies. Like, that you get this character who's her whole goal is that she's going to be pregnant, but it's not like a 50 cents where, like, this is your destiny. All you do is get pregnant and, like, deal with this child over here. The idea is you taught your son these things that helped save lives. And now I'm coming back to save your life with this knowledge that I'm then teaching you. And then you teach your son. Like, I love that part of it too, that it fits into this like time travel, greater cultural, like, conversation that the time is cyclical. That Mm -hmm. she teaches John these things, John teaches Reese these things, Reese comes back and teaches her things, and, like, the circle continues to go on forever. It's supposed to be like this. This is the way that her her life is supposed to work. And the way that it works is that she's a fucking badass. And she, Mm -hmm. like you said, becomes a full and rounded person. And that alone is worth watching the movie for. Her journey is so great. It holds up so well. I love watching her come to terms with the fact that she's a strong woman too it's it's such a well done and well told story that honestly if you had told me that this was james cameron and i didn't know it i probably wouldn't believe you because it's a surprisingly well told story about a woman for james cameron (laughs) just in general but especially for james cameron
0: (laughs) oh yeah 100 percent.
1: oh james cameron (laughs) you you sure do thanks uh what about you do you feel like the movie's worth watching
0: Yes, absolutely. You know, you touched on all of the big points about this movie, but it's just, you know, this has become a staple uh, not only in, in time travel and sci-fi, but, you know, it's a, it, it's a cultural touchstone at this point, you know? It's, uh, it's in the Library of Congress as, like, one of those influential movies that they, they save, you know, and, and it wouldn't have gotten there uh, without good reason. Uh, it's, it's definitely worth going back to revisit it, you know? Because especially seeing where the Terminator franchise ended up now and seeing how the last few movies have been kind of convoluted or, you know, they're a little hard to follow, seeing where it all began, you know, r- reminds you why this is a good story, mm-hmm. you know, a- and... I definitely recommend checking out the first one again, because because of the amount that the world talks about the second one, you know, the the, the first one really built the foundation for the second one to be so good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I even feel like if you've never seen any of the Terminator movies, you've never interacted with the franchise or the series at all, the first one is works as a standalone movie like you could legit just watch the terminator from 1984 and stop watching and feel pretty satisfied about what this series you can probably guess what the rest of the series is going to be like in many cases like again i haven't seen a lot of the series and so i'm guessing in lots of ways too that i because of my cultural knowledge know are correct but i also feel like you could just stop here like, if you've never seen any of these and you're just kind of, like, curious, fucking watch the first one. And then if you're like, yeah, this is cool, but I'm not into the rest of it, that's fine. Like, this is just a good movie to watch, full stop.
0: 100%. Cool. So, right. that's that's uh episode that's part one, two. part two. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's part two. Woo-woo! Cool. All right. Well, awesome. You should join us for our next episode, part three. Edutainment! hand motions (laughs) (laughs) so join us next time where we talk about a piece of technology that we both picked from within the terminator and we wanted to learn more about and we'll be lazy river of edutainment telling each other about it in the next episode so until then you can follow us on the internet i'm at nyd on instagram
0: I'm at bsilverio 20 on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at shantyshowtime on Instagram and Twaberry on Twitter.
1: And you can participate in the conversation with us wherever you would like to do that by using the hashtag time party. That's two, the number two party.
0: A huge thanks to Marlon Longit of Marlon and the Shakes for our theme song and April Moralba for the podcast art. Yeah, party people. Until next time, be excellent to each other. Party
1: on, dudes let Guitar. Yeah. Guitar.